And, of course, it's Thursday. Time for us to uh, visit with Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com as he joins us for this hour of the program. Brent, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well. Absolutely. And it uh, was something to see Tennessee survive the trip to Lexington, come out with a win. And uh, not as dramatic. Well, I mean, very dramatic, but just in a different way. You had the goal line stand two trips ago. And then you have the uh, Kentucky with the football and the chance to either tie or come back and win. So uh, it has been kind of uh, heart-stopping, nail-biting, you name it, in terms of Tennessee's last two trips to the Commonwealth. No doubt. And that's one of the – that was one of the craziest games I, I've ever uh, watched and I don't want to say been a part of because I didn't play, but, but to be a part of with the radio broadcast. I mean, they literally should have had 21 points and six snaps. They they had fourteen and five, you know, and and how many times are you going to see a team um, move the ball thirty four yards and fourteen seconds to kick a field goal at the end of the half? I mean, that, that's just that doesn't happen. That execution. I mean, to do that, you got to be perfect in your execution. Um, but then you turn around and in the second half, they give up fourth and twenty four, and you think, okay, this is this is how this is going to go. Uh, and, and then they bring pressure the last four plays and in, in, in the game. It was just a, it was a, it was just a bizarre, crazy, but entertaining, um, and a, a game full of plenty of storylines. It, it was, it was certainly a fun, a fun uh, game to call and a fun game to be a part of in Lexington last week for sure. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900, 656-9900. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. What do you think it meant to the team to win a game in that fashion? Because they had wiped out a couple of SEC opponents to where they weren't threatened, uh, had had the lead in three games where eventually Florida, Alabama, and Ole Miss came back to win. But what do you think it meant for them to be able to hang on, fight this one to the finish, and get it across for the win? Well, I mean, I think it's another step um, in the direction that you want to go of establishing your culture and learning how to win. I think the beauty of it, too, is that there were so many things that they could show on tape uh, on Monday of where, you know, they, they – yeah, you know, they could have put the game away. They could have done, you know, there were things they could have done much better. But but for them to have the resolve and and I think for, not so much maybe for the kids as much as it was for fans. I mean, every Tennessee fan are, are they not sitting there going, okay, there's the other shoe, it just fell. You know, I mean, think about all the close games where Tennessee has. Tennessee's not won many games that have been close, right? They've either won where they, they've been been in control at the end of the game. Are they found a way to lose a close football game by every imaginable fashion under the sun? So when Kentucky converts fourth and twenty-four, you're thinking there's another one to chalk up on how Tennessee can give a game away. And for this team and this program not to give it away, I think is big for the players. I think it's a I think it's a nice step for the fan base that hey, <laughs> maybe that shoe's not going to fall every time after all because it certainly had felt that way. Now they had the game against Kentucky as you mentioned two years ago when they had the goal line stand uh, on fourth and one. But given all the other unusual circumstances in which Tennessee has seemingly lost games. Uh, for them to overcome a defensive mistake in giving, in giving up a fourth and 24 and still finding a way to win, uh, I think was big for the kids. I think it was big for the fan base. Yeah, I think you were alluding to this early, but you had the 75-yard play early, the 72-yard on fourth down. Jalen Hyatt could have scored. He didn't have to step out of bounds, it didn't look like. I didn't think he was forced out. Was that the other play we talked yeah, about? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was that was of – I mean, the, the, the play to, to Valus Jones – 
is just a switch route that, that is a staple in Josh Heupel's offense. They actually ran that play against Florida. They just stacked it instead of split them side by side. But it's the same concept of the route. And they had a linebacker on Yeah, um, because they, it was man coverage and they got the switch there. The play to Jalen Hyatt was one of the better schematic things they'd done because they created a diamond formation that you hadn't seen. Uh, and, it, and they, they outnumbered Kentucky, and it was that was one of those that you know that Alex Golish and Josh Heupel were going, yeah, this is six. Because because everything lined up the way it was supposed to. I got right, this is a touchdown here. And um, I didn't think Jalen – I mean, if Jalen had caught that ball cleanly, um, there was there was no reason for him to stand – to, to uh, go out of bounds. I, I don't know if he lost it a little bit in the lights, and he, he kind of, but but he didn't he didn't he didn't get it clean and kind of lost his footing and stumbled a little bit there, which which took him out of bounds. The ball did not take him out of bounds. He did not have to drift out of bounds to catch it. It, it was just on, on his part. He didn't he didn't catch that ball cleanly enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it's I've never seen a start like that. I mean. You know that that was that was crazy. You just thought, I mean, every time they drop back to throw it, it's a touch. It's going to be a touchdown. All right, I got a hot take. Tennessee will have time of possession more than 14 minutes against Georgia. Um, I, I'm going. I'm going to take yes on, on that deal. At least 14. Um, <laughs> but but for two reasons. One, I, I don't think Tennessee's going to score 14 points in 27 seconds or 30 seconds like like they did against Kentucky in the first quarter. Two, I think I think Georgia will be a little more aggressive early in the game. I, I don't, I don't. I think Georgia wants to drive the ball, but I don't think Georgia's going to going to have those seven to eight minute drives. I, I think I think it'll even out a, a little bit more in this game. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think Tennessee's going to win time of possession, but I do think they'll have more time of possession this game. I do think the offense is going to hit some big plays on Georgia. They did it to Alabama with Nick Saban's scheme, and I know Georgia's defense is better. I get that. I just think that they do such a great job of finding matchups and hitting big plays, and they're going at a warp speed that Georgia hadn't seen. I I do think Tennessee, I'm not going to say they'll score 24 or 30 points, but I think they'll hit some big plays on Georgia. I think the opportunity is going to be there. I think it's going to hinge a lot upon whether or not they can give Hendon Hooker enough time to get the ball out of his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's the one concern that you have is can they protect well enough? And when I say they, I mean tight ends, running backs. You know that that's why Everybody. Jabari Small and Ty and Evans are, are their injuries are critical f- this week because of pass protection. No offense to them as running backs, but Tennessee needs them as much for pass protection as they need them for anything else. And if they can give Hendon Hooker a little bit of time, I do think they will make some plays. And I think Georgia will bust something. Georgia's given up a few plays in the secondary, uh, and I think as as you're, as you're alluding to, the warp speed, um, that, that I think they'll catch them in a substitution or catch them, you know, trying to communicate. I mean, that, that's the, the the Cedric Tillman touchdown at Alabama where he ran by the guy. I mean, <laughs> the defender, the, the, the corners turned talking to his safety with yeah. the ball snap. He, yeah. I mean, he had no idea what they were in because Tennessee was fast and Alabama was confused there. I, I think there's a chance that, that they can hit that. One of the things that I learned while Jeremy Pruitt was here about the Alabama defense is that their fixation to be in the perfect call every snap um, is so much about what that defense is about. And and as a result of that, I do think you can you can catch them in, in a bust from time to time with the up tempo. Um, now maybe maybe Georgia won't play that way, but typically those coordinators are trying to make all those late subs and trying to make all those late adjustments and communications that that you might be able to catch them because they, they caught Alabama uh, for sure. 
As many things as Tennessee has done well this year, their third down defense in the last three games has been awful, 38 out of 58. I don't know all the right answers. And it's not just been on third and two and third and three. They've been up a lot of third and six and sevens and longer. They can't continue that in particular if they want to have a chance to beat Georgia. Uh, no, da- no doubt. I mean, you, the first six games, Jimmy, they gave up 37 conversions. And in the last three games, they've given up 38, which is, which is just now. They've played better offenses the last three weeks. We all know that. Uh, but they've just really struggled. And um, I think the maddening part for uh, Tim Banks and, and Josh Heupel is that there's not one thing to fix it. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not this is the problem. It's, it's a multitude of things. If they, if they play zone, you know, if they rush three, drop eight, play zone, there's holes in the zone. They can't get any pressure. If they rush four, they've had a hard time getting pressure. I don't think linebacker zone drops have been, outside of Jeremy Banks' interception at Missouri, I don't think they've been in a lot of really good places. Um, I think teams have decided and have, have really attacked the middle of the field the last three weeks against Tennessee and really gone at Tennessee's safeties. A little surprised that didn't happen earlier in the season. Um, you look at the numbers, they're pretty incredible what uh, Power 5 quarterbacks are doing over the middle against Tennessee on all downs, which would include third downs. And then you get that, you get everything covered up the way you're supposed to, and it looks good. You get a little pressure, and then all of a sudden the quarterback leaks out and runs for 700 yards and, and, and gets a first down. So it, the problem is it's been a little bit of everything. Um, and, and I think that's the maddening part for Tim Banks. And that's why I think after 4th and 24. I think I think I would love to know what the headset talk was, but it looked pretty much to me like I've had enough of this. We're coming, and if they beat us, they beat us. But we're not going to get beat sitting back here, letting him pat the ball. We're we're coming after, uh, and they came a gap. I mean, they got in his face, and, and obviously it paid div- great dividends for Tennessee. Our guest Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. You can view their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900, 656-9900. Sports Talk today is at Land Rover Knoxville, 10215 Parkside Drive. Come see for yourself the incredible selection they have. And know this, new Land Rover and Range Rover SUVs uh, arriving at Land Rover Knoxville get sold before they arrive or day of. You can claim a new Rover before it gets here. You can stock. Uh, they are stocked up right now on certified pre-owned Land Rovers and Range Rovers, including a rare 2022 Land Rover Defender Trophy Edition. Plenty of high-quality pre-owned vehicles in stock, ready to rock. Regardless, if you're shopping for a Rover or a pre-owned vehicle, you're a part of Team Land Rover Knoxville. Back to the phones we go. It's Randy who joins us next. Hello, Randy. Hello, John and Jimmy and Brent. How you doing today? Doing well. Hope you are. Yes, yes, I am. I appreciate that. Hey, um, I'm glad to see Viscovi staying away from cookout. Uh, that's great food down there, but it's very fattening. They need to come up with a low-fat milkshake. Uh, quick couple quick comments and, and, a, and then a question. I remember back in the day in the 60s and 70s, Coach Mears had a little policy and gave the players places not to go on Cumberland or around town. And it wasn't because of the food. It was because of sports gambling in the back rooms of those places. I was with a player one time. We were going in a place on Cumberland. He stopped me. The basketball player stopped me and said, no, 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 we can't eat in, there, eat in there. And I said, why? He said, off limits. Too much sports gambling in the back rooms. Uh, Mirrors had that. So the nutritionists do a great job at UT. They need to 
little policy on where the players need to go <laughs> need to go to eat. Now on my um, on my question, you know I like Danny White, but the uh, Akron thing is a fi- uh, is a fiasco uh, replacing the Army game there. I'd like to see him play Army or Navy or Air Force in the future at some point in football and either one of those in basketball about once every five years. You could call it the Don DeVoe Classic. He coached over 10 years at Navy. He coached over 10 years at Tennessee. We had a Johnny Majors Classic uh, where he coached at Pittsburgh and coached at Tennessee. So I think a Don DeVoe Classic would be suitable there, and um, I'd love to see that happen. So um, my question, though, on that, um, I'm trying to think what. Yeah, well, you think that's you think that's a possibility, but also, I'm trying to think with the the main question I had. Guys, forgive me. I'm almost 67 years old here. I sometimes have uh, blanks. Oh, it happens to all of us. And I'll say this: uh, believe what you want, but Danny White essentially rubber stamped what was already in motion in regards to the canceling of the Army game for the University of Tennessee football program. They they had already moved on. Tennessee had already agreed to pay the money and had already scheduled Akron. There wasn't a whole lot that he could have done, Jimmy, without going back through and spending many more hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you have a beef, I think you could take it up with Coach Fulmer or Jeremy Pruitt. They're the ones that wanted out of it. Yeah, I understand, and and I do like Danny White. I think he's going to do some great things over there. But do you think there's a possibility they could play Army or Navy or Air Force in basketball and maybe do something like what I call a Don DeVoe Classic? You know, Navy and Army, excuse me, Navy and Air Force sometimes makes the NCAA tournament the big dance. Not often. Mm-hmm. They've done it with David. They've done it with David Robinson and a couple of good Air Force teams and Navy teams. And I know they're weaker competition, but I I know the fans would love to see that. I I really strongly believe the fans would love to see Army, Navy, or Air Force in basketball, definitely in football. You think that's a possibility they could do that in basketball as well? That's still not the main question I have, but it's a question. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't think there's any question, Brent. It would be possible. The question is whether or not they would want to move in that direction, and I'm sure Rick Barnes, of course, uh, he does so many different things in, in putting the opportunities in front of his team, whether it's going up to Connecticut, as they will, for two huge games next week. Um, they have so many contests that they're already pledged to. I, I don't think he'd be opposed to it. I just don't know when and exactly you could make something like this happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he would be against it by any means, but, I mean... I'm not sure how many people really know Don DeVoe was at Navy, you know. I mean, I'm sure some old ten, older Tennessee basketball fans do, but um you know, you know, I'm not I'm not against it, but no offense to Don DeVoe, he's not the same legendary status that John Majors is at the University of Absolutely. Tennessee. Absolutely. That's what I was going to point out. Or for out. Pitt because won a yeah, national right. championship with the right. Panthers, was yeah. an outstanding legendary player and coach with the University of Tennessee. And and so it, it is a little bit different, but I certainly love Coach DeVoe when he was the coach of the Volunteers. Uh, it certainly followed Navy basketball when he went there, and Jimmy blessed with the fact that uh, got to know him as we had him yeah. on the show several times yeah, we uh, did. To, uh, to talk hoops. So always love Coach DeVoe. So I'd, always, I'd be a huge fan. I always I will be a huge fan of his. Yeah, I like him a lot too, but I'm in the camp with Brent. I don't think that DeVoe is in the same category as a legend or a figure at Tennessee that what John Majors was. But, Randy, we sure do appreciate it. Let's go next to Mark. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Mark. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling. I 
back to uh, Tennessee football, I'm trying to figure out – well, not figure out. It seems to me that, that uh, Heupel has brought some magic sauce and that Kentucky game could be like a watershed game for him where Tennessee figures out how to win instead of how to give it away like, like Brent was talking about over – it seems like years – I remember games where they would have a lead at halftime and you go, okay, and and then, you know, dwindle the lead away and lose it through coach after coach. And it seems that he has changed the culture to where they have a different mindset and, and seems like maybe they're even having fun playing the game. It, would you would – you, do you have more inside knowledge of that kind of thing, what he has – done in the in the locker room to sure. get these guys of a different mindset well i mean i think i think playing football over there is fun i mean i, I think that that it's been treated as fun and uh, this is a group that gets along well they've enjoyed getting uh closer and, and to know each other more they've done a lot more off the field non-football activities over the course of the last nine months since dodgeball uh, um yeah since josh Heupel was here and i think this is a group that um you know, that's having fun playing. They, they like the style that they're playing, even defensively, even though they're struggling on third down and some of their struggles. I think they like the style that they're playing. Uh, it, it's funny, you, you, you know, we're talking about, you know, is that a watershed moment that, that you're getting over? You know, every Kentucky fan walked out of that Kroger field, whatever it is now, they're going, yep, that's Kentucky. It's what we do. Tennessee's in town. We find a way. Much the same way Tennessee fans are with, like, the Florida game. You know, it's just there's that kryptonite. Like, you know, Kentucky fans, their last two games at, at, at home against Tennessee, they're going, how do you lose those two games? You know, how, how, does, how does that happen? And so, uh, you know, I, I'm always careful of watershed moments, turning the corner, that type of thing. I don't want to take anything away from the win. I think it's good. I think when you win games like that, it does help you down the line when you get in other close games. Uh, but I don't know about it being, quote, the moment where they've figured it all out. But um, certainly they, they found a way to win down the stretch, and, and this program has struggled to do that against some teams. Well, I would agree with that. But if, to, to go in that direction, was Jeremy Pruitt's moment against Auburn? Right. Oh, that was a big win. Well, well it didn't play out that Right, way. and he beat Kentucky he beat, in a goal line stand that's up right, there with Lynn years Bowden ago. out there running for 500 right. yards. They won a bowl game they weren't supposed to win either, right? Yeah. So I, I would be really hesitant to point at this one game. I, I think that's something that over time we might tell, but I would not go there yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, everybody thought Butch Jones had it after the Hail Mary against against Georgia, and then they, you know, they lose a game to Texas A&M, yep. and then they find a way to lose a game to South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and you know his watershed collapsed on him at that point. I mean it was it was it was done. He became and so, a water boy. Yeah. So I mean it's just you know I I think again don't want to take anything away from it. And I understand the caller's point. I just think you got to be you got to be careful with that 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 take or that hot take a little bit. Oh, they've turned the corner. You know, good win. You know, and they did they did some good things. And there's there was a lot of enjoyment out of it. And and fans have enjoyed it this week, and, and we'll see what comes of it moving forward long-term for Tennessee. Because, it, listen, it truly is. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a coach. This this crazy sport that we cover is truly a week-by-week season. Yeah. With the exception of maybe Georgia, 
it's kind of been a week-by-week deal for everybody else in the country. There are very few years where it's not week-to-week. For, like Alabama was almost like not week-to-week right. a year ago. Yeah. But, yeah, for most teams, look out. You never know. Yeah, because you, you think that, okay, after Alabama experiences what it did in College Station, loses that game that you wouldn't have uh, what you saw last week, and that was an incredible opportunity for LSU yeah. on more than one occasion, Jimmy, yeah. to uh, to score and take the lead late. They just couldn't get it. I mean, credit Alabama; it won the game, mm-hmm. but it wasn't supposed to struggle the way it did. They ran for six yards yeah. against LSU, and LSU was throwing it in the end zone late in the game, trying to win it. So, and that's yeah. a, that's an LSU team that gave up 400 yards rushing to Kentucky a month ago. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's a hard sport to figure out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in it, Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really you just like I said, Georgia to me is the exception. I think everybody else is. I mean, look look at last week, Cincinnati. Okay, Cincinnati's supposed to be this. Everybody's mad they're not in. Whoa, I mean, they they struggled, right? They were lucky. I mean, Ohio State. I mean that that was that was no walk in the park. Um, you know, Michigan State can't handle success. I mean. That, that's what everybody wants in college football, and, and everybody's getting at this year except in Athens, Georgia, where they've been ahead by double digits at the half against everybody with the exception of, I guess, Kentucky and Clemson, right? Yeah. That's Brent Hubbs. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. We've got more coming your way to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Today we're at Land Rover Knoxville, 10215 Parkside Drive. It's John who joins us next. Hello, John. John, you with us? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Sorry, I uh, I didn't get the tone. Um, well, guys, uh, just gonna let you know this is college football, and it's jam packed every year. This is my favorite time of the year, um, and ironically, my birthday's in a couple days. But uh, this is just college football, man. It's the best, and uh, whatever Tennessee did to beat Kentucky, they 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 did it, man. Uh, I'm uh, proud for them. Um, my question, guys, is after Heupel's pretty much got this figured out for the first year, what do you think in year two, on just your your opinion alone, would be his best point of view to look up towards next season? Oh, I mean, I think there's you got a couple of things that can change the narrative of this team for for year two pretty significantly, and it, it starts with who are going to be Tennessee's super seniors, um, which guys elect to come back, and and what guys don't, and uh, that starts at the quarterback position with Hendon Hooker. Um, that that as, as we've seen this year, the the biggest difference in this football team from the last four years is quarterback play. And um, if he's back, then I think your outlook is is much different. Um, if he's not back, then that that changes a lot of things about your football team. I like the schedule next year for Tennessee, Jimmy. I don't think it's I don't think it's a terrible schedule. I think it's it, it's it's got you know it's built to get you six wins, you know, and 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 to have you as a bowl team. But I think that largely depends on what super seniors come back, and it starts with Hendon Hooker to, for me. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this. I think Hendon Hooker has elevated himself to where I would I would take him over any quarterback in the league that doesn't play at Ole Miss or Alabama. I think he's really played well. I like him better than everybody else. The schedule to me looks kind of similar next year to this year because you ought to beat Ball State. Then you go to Pitt, 50-50 game. Got Akron, that's a win. You got UT Martin, that's a win. And then Missouri and South Carolina and Vanderbilt at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I, I think they could have a very similar year 
next year to what they're doing this year. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know if they can make a jump, though. That depends a lot on what you're talking about. Hooker, Hooker's got to come back, and if he does, I think this offense could be potentially even better. question is, who's he going to throw the ball to? Yeah. What do those receivers look like? Right. Uh, but you would think year two in both of the systems would make you, a, you know, on both sides of the ball would make you better. Um, you know, but again, what, what, which one of those, what group of those veteran guys come back and, 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 and who doesn't come back? Um, you, you know, I mean, you can look at Hendon Hooker two ways to me. One, he can look at Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh, and Kenny Pickett's made a lot of money by deciding to come back. Part of that's because he's played well. Part of that's because he knew that the draft board for for NFL caliber quarterbacks this year compared to last year yep. was much more favorable to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would have been a mid-round pick a year ago, but he would also have been behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and the other four quarterbacks who were taken. Um, now he's going to be probably the number one guy taken in the draft. Part of that's because of his play, but it's also knowing the draft board. This is not a deep quarterback draft, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm sure Hendon Hooker will have to look at and will look at as he goes through that evaluation process. We sure do appreciate it, John. Let's go next to Rusty. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Rusty. How's everybody doing today? Doing well. Hope you are. Good. I have two questions uh, about the basketball game the other night. Uh, Are you concerned about us taking too many threes? And also my question is, what in the world happened to our uh, our, uh, rim protectors? They were going to the hoop. Uh, constantly on us. I think post defense is the is the biggest area of weakness for this team right now that has to improve. Um, I think you can protect the rim in a variety of ways, not just blocking shots. And I think this this group of post defenders has to do a better job of positioning, put themselves in a position to take a charge, um, put themselves in a position at the help line to, to cut off you know, drives, um, you know, and, and straight line drives to the rim. Uh, I know that's been a focal point and a concern that this basketball staff has had since preseason in an area where they know they've got to improve. And, um, you know, that, that'll be – that'll say a lot about how much this team develops and how far they go. They've got to, they've got to improve there. As for the three-point shot, I think you I think you better settle in and, and get used to it because I, I think that's the way Rick Barnes wants to play. I think he feels like he's got a team that can shoot it. Uh, I think he feels like there's a greater chance for offensive rebounds when you shoot threes, and uh, I think this team's going to put up a lot of threes, a lot of threes. I also don't think they have a lot of punch know? inside right now. No, not wise. without Fulkerson, right. you know, right and, and, right. and he will help him protect the rim a little bit, uh, you know, when he gets back out there. And they 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 may take a few less threes with him because they'll they can run some things for him inside. I don't know that they're comfortable uh, and confident with with the offensive play inside without Fulkerson on the floor right now. Did you notice how how uh, that there was nobody out there right in the paint above uh, below the rim? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. They've got to play the helpline better. You know, teams are going to try to spread them out. Um, they're, they're, they, they, there's that's the growth that they have to make defensively. As their post players, their their inside players have to play what they call the helpline, where they're in the paint. You know, and they're not too far away. You know, we're playing two passes away that they're stu- they're stuck outside. I mean, Tennessee's given up a lot of straight line drives the last few years. I mean, this is not. It was you know it was bad the other night, but they've had other. I mean, they had issues last year 
where, where they gave up too many drives to the rim because they were over they were over helping at times they were getting out of out of the paint at times and I just think that's somewhere where defensively Jimmy they've got to grow well they do and they don't have an eighth ponds that can erase mistakes that's nope. going to hurt them some yeah and that's why they have to they've got to be more fundamentally sound schematically to potentially take a charge in there because there's not going to be a guy as you mentioned fly in from 15 feet away to block a shot Rusty, we do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's go next to Jimmy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jimmy. Good evening, guys. Uh, My question is, my question, I got two. Um, First one, uh, Brent, what's the uh, outlook for uh, our our good friend, uh, David Cutcliffe? It looks like uh, it could be a 0 for 8 looking at his remaining games but uh and then second jimmy and john if y'all have discussed the bowl possibilities uh last time tennessee played penn state was in 2007 in the outback bowl is there any chance a seven and five would play a eight and three penn state in a outback or is that too far to reach and i'll hang up and listen uh, in regard to David Cutcliffe, this is uh, this has been a tough year for Coach Cut, hasn't it? It has, and and you can kind of wonder. I mean, David will do what David always does, and, and certainly evaluate kind of where he's at and uh, where his program's at and what he wants to do moving forward. I've not talked to David during the season, um, but they've they've certainly had their struggles this year uh, on both sides of the ball, and so we'll see what happens. You know, he's got a new athletics director over there, and. Um, he's got a career's worth of work, um, but I know he's passionate about teaching kids. So uh, we'll we'll see what David kind of where David is at, at the end of the season. I know he's focused on trying to see that thing through to to the end of the year for sure. Um, as for the the big, I don't know all the Big Ten's pecking orders, but you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Michigan State. So I mean, Penn State's probably going to be the third or fourth team, Jimmy. Yeah, and one of those will be a playoff team. One of those will be a New Year's Six team. Then, then maybe Penn State. Are they a Citrus Bowl team? Are they a Outback Bowl team? Maybe. I mean, they they could they could fall in that category unless they upset somebody here at the end, right? To, to his question, is it possible? It is, and I've seen one projection with them playing Penn State, and I think it's seven wins. Tennessee opens the door to be potentially in the Outback, but there are no guarantees about that. They. At six and six, they were not going to get to an outback. They were going to be a lesser bowl. At seven wins, they got a chance to improve their bowl stock. Yeah, and at, and at seven wins, I, I think ten, I think Tennessee will be very attractive to a lot of bowls because it's an energized fan base who, who likes this offense. That I think bowl teams are going to or bowls are going to feel like, hey, they'll travel. Um, that they'll they're they're excited about being there as opposed to a team that maybe got off to a fast start and didn't finish very well or had high aspirations. You know, I mean, is Florida an attractive bowl team at seven wins? I don't – it doesn't feel like it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, what? how attractive is Arkansas? I mean, pretty good, but how much are they going to travel? You know, what about Kentucky? How do they finish here? Are Kentucky fans going to be gaga about going to a bowl game? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think Tennessee fans – excitement level has a lot of bold directors pretty excited and pretty high on Tennessee. Yeah, and just to uh, take a deeper look at the pecking order in the Big Ten, you mentioned Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. They are all 
eight and one on the season and five or six wins in conference play, then you've got Penn State, which is six and three. They have lesser, a lesser record than Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa over in the other divisions. So you're talking about potentially being the eight Ooh. coming out of the Big Ten, depending on how everything shakes out. So and I don't, know, I don't know how their bowl, I don't know how their conference does their bowl alignment stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, maybe maybe Penn State can't get that high. I, I, I mean, I've seen bowl projections are hard right now because I mean, I've seen Tennessee and. Uh, you know the. Te- I don't think they're going to the Texas Bowl, no. but they're projected by somebody to be in the Texas Bowl. I don't see that one. I don't either. Um, you know Charlotte. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe, but I mean, I think Nashville wants them. The Liberty Bowl's letting her going. Hey, we were supposed to get y'all right. last year, and, yeah, and you couldn't right. come. I mean, we're open. We're open. At some yeah. point, can we not have you, please? <laughs> you know, please. Hello, we're over here. So, um, you know, and, and then you got. Teams that were at spots previ- the previous year, you know, do they want to have those teams back? I mean, it's – again, I, I think part of it is because Tennessee's attractive. you got a lot of people interested. That, that makes it kind of hard to get a true handle on where they go because I don't think they'll go any higher than the Outback Bowl. But I don't think they'll go any, quote, lower than the belt bowl, or the, the Duke's Mayonnaise, whatever bowl that game I was is. I say Charlotte. Liberty, but is that – Well, I put those – yeah, yeah, I put those in, the same, in, that, in that category there. Final segment for us with Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. Brent's appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. And there is a ton of stuff that's going on right now at VolQuest.com. Today, though, Brent, is Veterans Day. And we certainly appreciate everyone that has served, is serving, or will serve. And all they do in protecting us and allowing us the freedoms we enjoy. And, and I thought she put together a fantastic piece in regards to how a tweet became a scholarship at the University of Tennessee. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Uh, will McNeely is a, a Vol fan and a, a fan of veterans. He's a, his family is a lifelong uh, military family. And um, he just sent a tweet to Danny White uh, back in August after the uh, terrorist attack in Afghanistan that took the life of East Tennessee soldier Ryan Knauss. And um, ask him, you know, what you could do to get him a seat in the stadium, and, you know, naming him in his honor. And uh, in conversations, it turned into a scholarship. And Steve Hamer, I think, is going to be on with you guys later. He was very instrumental in helping get that going. He can elaborate more on that. But I'm with you. We, just, we thank everyone who serves, everyone who has served, and those who are no longer with us who gave up the ultimate sacrifice for serving. Very much so, but uh, folks should be sure and check that out as uh, there's so much that's going on. And so in just a couple minutes that we have left in this hour, Brent, what do you think in terms of the matchup? First, you can give us the stock report. Who do you think, uh, who do you think has, is on the upswing for Tennessee going into this matchup, this opportunity against number one Georgia? Well, I'm going to crawl out on a limb here and say Hendon Hooker's stock's going is up right now. I, I, don't, I don't know how big of a statement that is, but I got his stock going, going up right now. Um, you know, from, from from a stock down standpoint, I mean, I think third down defense, middle of the field, tackling are things that must be better this week than, than they were. Um, and then my stock stagnant this week was Darnell Wright. And, and typically that's a kind of a negative connotation stat. But I think the fact that nobody's talking much about Darnell Wright is a good thing. I think that means he's had a pretty doggone solid year. For a guy who had not played well his first couple years, he'd been out of shape. He was playing on the other side and, and never was comfortable. Has he been perfect? No. Has he been great all the time? No. But I think he's had a pretty solid year out there at left tackle, kind of solidifying that that position. I mean, uh, you know, he wasn't first team in spring, and and 
He moved over to the left in fall camp and looked really awkward for a couple of practices, but I think he's had a pretty solid year for Tennessee at the left tackle spot. Really, really positive uh, for him in, in terms of his development this year under Glenn Ellerby. What else can folks find at VolQuest.com right well, now? We've got, uh, obviously, there was a hoops media availability today. We've got that coverage up there. Rob's got his matchup piece. Uh, tomorrow we'll have the War Room. We've got our mailbag podcast up today. Um, we we got plenty of coverage, obviously, to get you ready for Tennessee and, and Georgia. We'll have the War Room in the morning with a lot of recruiting information, who to expect into town, uh, what's that visit list going to look like for Tennessee. They finally get a 3.30 game. Uh, against a big-name opponent, which will attract some guys into town for sure. Uh, and then we'll do our 10 things, I think, I think, and a couple other recruiting stories as well. So plenty of things between now and kickoff on Saturday afternoon to get you ready for Tennessee and Georgia. Is the fact that we are now, uh, for instance, in the state of Tennessee, a couple of rounds into the playoffs, does that make the visit list potentially bigger for Tennessee for the fact that not all teams are now competing? Um, I'm sitting here trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think so. I think most of the targets are still in play right now for, for Tennessee. Um, not not everybody is, but I think for the most part, a lot of those guys. But some of them can still get here, you know, but because it is a 3.30 game. So it, it's not like you got to leave in the middle of the night, you know, or anything like that. So um, I, I think that it's um, – I think it's going to be a solid list this weekend. And, again, part of it's a big-name opponent, and um, and the kickoff time work, works out well for Tennessee. Brent, always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's Brent Hubs of VaultQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com.